Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined today by my most beautiful co-host, most beautiful, most beautiful <laughs> co-host, <Darice laughs> Williams. Uh, during this Valentine's Day weekend uh, special on the Roundtable consult. And uh, so as a result, my usual co-host who knows nothing about love, nothing <laughs> about relationships, <laughs> Attorney Sonia Madison will not be joining us today. Uh, no, but uh, she, I think what happens is, uh, I don't think she wanted to be booed up like we are today because we are also joined with my um uh, you've seen this young lady on the show before, Miss Sonona Williams. She's a counselor. Uh, I forget. I'm, I'm not sure if we call her a counselor, but she's come on the show before and given us some tremendous uh, advice about how to handle situations in the COVID, maintain our mental health, but she's a mental health counselor. Uh, to some degree or to some extent, I don't even know what it is. I hate to keep calling you something that you're not. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have this other gentleman on the, uh, uh, who's joining us today. He uh, looks like Wolverine, but he's actually my brother. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> my brother, Christopher Williams. And, and the reason why I had them on is not because of nepotism, but because they have tremendous experience uh, dealing with uh, families and, and, and married couples. You guys have been doing a married couples um, mentorship class or uh, what is it? Why don't you tell us what it is? We'll take that we, uh, we, we facilitate and coordinate a program at our church and marriage ministry called Radical Love. And what Radical Love is, is a 13 week course for married couples to help them develop skills and tools to help them navigate this, this lifestyle we call marriage. So we, we have the class twice a year, 13 weeks each time, and we see couples through whatever challenges that they are, they are facing at that time. How long have you all been doing this now? Ooh, we've been, we took the class in 2006 as participants. And what happened was they started asking us to come back and, and help in the class. And I was always like, nope, I don't want to do it. I've got enough church. <laughs> so uh, they asked us a few times. I said no. And then finally on the third time when they asked us to come back and help, I got a revelation like Samuel. When Samuel was, uh, when God came to Samuel. Samuel? Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, right. And so the third time I was like, okay, fine. What do you want? Uh, so we, we started, we started facilitating the class in 2010. Wow. So we're, we're 10, 11 years in it right wow. now. That's wonderful. So it helps us stay married. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> I know it brings some accountability. Yeah. What happens yeah. to married advisors? We ain't got it so bad. Well, then you just become the divorce facilitators. <laughs> we we show you how to divorce right. <laughs> Well, you would imagine there would be a, a necessity for a class to learn how to, if you if you have to learn how to be married, you should have to learn how to be divorced if you do. I mean. Oh, well, there are classes. Have, divorce care. Are, I'm sure there are classes. Yeah. 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 Divorce. Yeah. Divorce care. Wow. Yeah. But we've been in that ministry since 2006. And then we started facilitating in 2010. And then a couple of years after that, we started coordinating the program for our church. Nice. Shout out New Mercy's Christian Church, Lilburn, Georgia. <laughs> Good shout out. Good shout out. <laughs> so they uh, they asked you all to be facilitators because they saw the ebullient love between the two of you. Yes, that's a word that I just threw out. <laughs> go up on Google, look it up. Ebullient. <laughs> it's effervescent. Listen, oh. Effervescent love. Is that what it is? Yeah. Or was it just radical love? Maybe I don't radical. know. Radical. Hmm. Why radical love? What does that mean? What 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 does it mean to to be radical to love radically? It's the word radical is out there, strange, crazy, wild. So radical love. You have that crazy, strange. You know, it's not always explainable love, but it's not always good. It's crazy. Well, sometimes it can be crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Now you all have been married for how long now? I answer that question a long time, huh? Yeah, yeah. Not as long as some people, but uh, I answer that question this way. When people ask how long we've been married, I often tell them, I said, Well, we've had 20 glorious years of matrimony, and they're like, Oh, that's so sweet, yeah. But we've been married for 26 years in April, yeah. like, oh, which one would have had one? <laughs> There's a tough years scattered in there, but they're all not glorious. But uh, we've been married 26 years in April. And, uh, oh, nice. you know, so for the most part, we have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I always tell people, you know, especially when I talk to people about relationships, oh, how long have you been married? We've been married five years. Like, ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, Three years. <laughs> that's that. That's Just that's getting that. into <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going we to get into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They say, oh, the first 25 are the hardest. Once you get past 25, it's easy. well as as you know we we will be at uh 28 coming in june and um yeah to each other that is yeah Yeah. (laughs) well well, well, we've been together longer but we've been married 28 years yeah i uh one of the interesting things there's a scripture in leviticus and i can't remember where it is but it says the when you enter into the land for the first three years, you'll plant and you will not receive a harvest. Mm. Then he said the fourth year, there will be a harvest, but you will dedicate that unto the Lord. And then the fifth year, you'll be able to partake of that harvest. And I always referred to, I said, if that ain't marriage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's mm. like us for some years. Now, I don't know if the numbers are exactly right, uh, three, four, and five, but uh, there are some years that you spend just planting and planting, and it seems like, man, is it going to get better? And and it's those first couple years, I think, that that you have to just learn to live with each other and um, learn to get rid of so much of yourself 
that was there before and or selfishness is what I'm saying not not lose yourself in marriage but I'm saying but just getting rid of selfishness um in order to to help the marriage uh produce what it is supposed to produce and then all of a sudden it seems to start producing some benefit and if we then take that benefit and offer it as a sacrifice unto God then maybe we can expect that we will actually reap a better harvest uh, in, in accordance with what God's will and plan is for our marriages. Mm-hmm. So you can feel free to use that in your next radical love sessions and <laughs> thank you uh, <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> um, Reese is like, I'm still planting. I haven't reached. <laughs> I want to know what year that's a, I'll, I'll look that scripture up too because I want to see it and what year does it say the famines come if it if it even addresses it because mm-hmm. sometimes when we yeah we're, we're planning but sometimes we've got famine as well before we get to a harvest mm. yeah I don't know I guess if you knew the famine was coming <laughs> would you or, would you try to avoid it <laughs> Oh, would yeah. you would you leave before the famine got there? Would you say, I'm just, I know it's going to come. I'm going to endure it and know that on the other end of it is going to be some relief. Mm. I don't know, man. I don't know. There are probably seasons of famine. I guess when you say famine, I started thinking about uh, Elijah when he was at the brook that uh, when all around him, the world was at famine. Right. And, but he was still yet being fed by being fed by God. God had him at a brook called Sharath, which really meant covenant, which is interesting because when you start thinking about marriage, marriage is a covenant itself. But uh, while he was there, he allowed the raven to come and and to feed him. I don't know. Apparently he didn't have bounty (laughs) and diversity of meal like a buffet or anything like that, but he still had his needs provided, basic provisions. He had food and water when other people were starving. And so I'm wondering if, you know, as believers, if even in those times of famine, we can still have our provisions made for us adequately so that we are still provided for and and not have to really worry about saying, okay, I'm not getting what I need from this relationship because our relationships are to some degree transactional, right? Oh. That's uh, so that puts it more on a, a contractual basis, like given give and take, and and you know, for us, we tend to we look at it from the standpoint of a covenant, and a covenant requires a sacrifice, so it's not necessarily transactional. I'm I may do something with no expectation that he's going to reciprocate, but I'm doing it because it's what I I feel led to do. So I don't I don't think we operate on a transactional in our relationship. Some people it might work, that's not how we operate. I think that's one of the normal things as well. If I do this for you, then you do this for me. Oh yeah. And that's transactional and it's like, okay, well just leave a dollar on the table then. Well, I wouldn't say- I think there should be some expectations though that um, if I do something for you that you automatically are going to, it it, it makes me, I know for one thing for me, it it, it makes our marriage happy happier and more secure because if you're doing something for me then that means that um i'm this marriage right now we're 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 together we're bonding um you understand my needs i understand your needs um 
to to a certain extent. Yeah, me, I know that it's I know it's a controversial uh, statement there yeah. uh, to say that relationships are transactional, and I heard a friend mm -hmm. of mine say that before. So what do you mean? But I, I thought you said um, they said uh, afterwards they said if you if if in a relationship you are not getting back the things that you feel like you need in order to sustain that relationship, whether there's a covenant there or not eventually you're going to leave that relationship because it's not providing the sustenance for you that is required. Now, the fact that it becomes a covenant and one that's made between you and between God then may raise that threshold of saying, how long can I endure? How long will I endure? How long will I stay engaged? Uh, and, and what are those thresholds that need to be met? All of that stuff is, is, is changed, but when the relationship fails to provide for you for a period, the things that you need for a period of time, however that period of time may be for you um, and for whatever reason, people wind up checking out. And, and in that regard, it makes it somewhat transactional. It doesn't necessarily have to be reciprocal and, and equally reciprocal, but at some point what she has to provide for me the things that I need to be happy and I have to, and as part of my covenant, provide for her some of the things that help to keep her fulfilled in the relationship. No, is that, would that still be transactional or no? So I would ask this question <laughs> and, and I will ask this question from a biblical perspective. Do everything, and I'm gonna paraphrase this scripture, everything you do, do unto, do as unto my spouse. Mm -mm. Was it do it do us unto who? Unto the Lord, unto right? The Lord. Okay. So if I am serving as unto God, who is then accountable to fulfill that need that I have? Ah, uh, eh. I don't know that that to say that God. Okay, I, I get where you're going. You want me to say that God is responsible to fulfill that need. No, that's that what is true. to fulfill all <laughs> need. Now, yes, He uses my my spouse exactly. to do that. Now, when you have an unwilling participant, that's that's totally different. Okay, and that's my everything point. I do is unto God, regardless of whether or not she does what she's supposed to do. And there's where I release her from that responsibility. And I hold God accountable for what his promises are. Now, everybody's not Christian, and that's okay. That's on you. But as for us, I release her from that responsibility. And I say, okay, God, you said these things. And if I believe this word is true, I then have to, my, my behaviors has to line up with that consistently. Now, do we fall short all the time? Yes. Does she always meet mine? No. Am I disappointed when it's not? No. When I'm sorry, am I disappointed when my needs are not met? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm like, dang, I know. I'm like, no. I need to enroll enroll in this radical love class. <laughs> speaking of radical love, never be disappointed again when your needs aren't met. Radical love. Speaking of radical, you asked why radical love. The program was developed years ago. How I many 20 some odd years ago, maybe even 30 years ago. Yeah by uh, Dr. Tony Moore and his, his wife, Kim Moore. So they wrote the program, the full name of the program, and, I, and this even goes even further. The full name of the program is Radical Love, A Lifestyle of Marriage, Naked and Unashamed. 
Radical love, a lifestyle of marriage, naked and unashamed. So when you talk about, you ask what does radical mean? It means crazy, out there, weird, different, unusual. That's that love that Christ has for us, his church. That's radical because we don't understand it. It's crazy. You mean he really went to the cross even though I, he knew that I was going to be all jacked up? Yeah, he did it anyway. Mm-hmm. That represents that marriage, Christ and the church. Our relationship should, as closely as we can, represent that love. A lifestyle of marriage, well, what's a lifestyle? Is how do we live? How do we engage? How do we go about our day-to-day living in this thing they call marriage? So that's what a lifestyle is. And lifestyle live happily ever after. Right. Well, yeah, happily ever after. Well, ever after after is a long time. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So I I I like what you said in terms of you saying that you release her of the responsibility Mm -hmm. of of fulfilling it because it's a covenant between you and God, but you also made a covenant between you and her. Mm -hmm. And that's a personal choice that you would have to release her. Uh, the big question is, is whether or not you release yourself from that obligation as well, because if she can be released from that, then you can also be released from that obligation from her perspective. The question is, can you release yourself from that obligation? Because you say, okay, God, I'm in this relationship. And if I'm supposed to fulfill my husbandly duties, it's not my responsibility. It's God's because she made that covenant with God. So can I release myself? No, no, you can't because God holds you accountable. Now, God's not going to come and say his shirt needs to be ironed and I'm going to iron his shirt. And this is a primitive example. It's just because I asked her to iron my shirt this morning. I could have done it myself. Yes, she ironed my shirt. Um, And God wouldn't come and say, okay, I'm going to iron your shirt. God uses us, his people, to serve his purpose and to meet each other's needs. But the thing when we say no, so the direct answer to your question is no. I don't release myself from it because I have to serve him as well. Well, if he uses me to meet her need and I release myself from it, I'm not serving him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I think it's it's a huge mm-hmm. relief uh, when you when you don't put the pressure on your spouse mm-hmm. to be able to perform some of the things that um, that you like. For example, I guess I use the example when we were coming, deciding to move to Nashville um, after residency. Doris initially wasn't on board with it, and my response to God was like, "Listen, God, I can't go to Nashville if my wife is not in agreement with me." And so it's your responsibility at this point to convince her. I can try to persuade her. I can show, I can lay everything out for her. But when I when I stood before that altar and I said, I do with her, then that means I made a covenant with her that can potentially interfere to some degree with my covenant with God and my responsibilities to God. Uh, I think it was Paul, I think it was Paul who said, you know, hey, I would rather that you not marry because the man who is married has only to be concerned with the things uh, of of God and how he can please his God. But the man who is married must also please his wife. And he said, must have worldly concerns. He called those worldly concerns and how he must please his wife. And so I have to find worldly ways to please my wife. (laughs) 
<laughs> she likes it when I do that. <laughs> I'm talking about like gifts and, and words of affirmation. Drop her microphone or earbuds or something like that, you know. We uh <laughs> but we do have to concern ourselves with some things of the world because we get so consumed a lot of times, I think, in Christian marriages where we say, Oh, all we have to do is you know, live a life that pleases God. And then our wives or our, our husbands all of a sudden are just going to be ecstatic because everything we do in our lives is aimed to please God. No, I got to please her. Yeah. yeah. And Paul, that's why Adam was by himself in the beginning. He was good because he got a wife. Because <laughs> he had that wife. Uh-huh. Yeah, wait a Like this wife you gave yeah. me. And as you stood there and watched me do it. This woman you gave me, she gave me. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. But, you know, you made the comment. You said, so, yeah, that's, we we went about all this from the perspective of if we are Christian and right. if we follow after God's statutes. A conversation I've had with some people before has been, you know, it seems that in this younger generation, these young folks now, <laughs> you know, I guess I can say that now that I'm over the, 50 uh, past a uh, half century year mark uh we can say these yeah, young people I have a son that's married <laughs> and i have a son that's married i don't have any grandchildren yet <laughs> but these young people a lot of times they don't want to get married and so i'm trying to figure out how do you convince people that marriage is an honorable institution when you got people who are saying things like married people are miserable why get married what's the purpose of getting married for people who don't subscribe to a Christian faith or any particular religion? Is there a benefit to marriage that you can't get not being married? Hmm. Well, they seem to think so. You know, the world seems to think so because they're, they're like, well, why do I need to, a, a marriage certificate, a piece of paper? And you know, that's the same question that has been asked over and over again. And I think it comes down to that's a heart issue. That's, that's something for you to determine what's, what's the status of your heart, whether you're in a religion or not, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Cause you can have companionship and friendship and not what I read. Yeah. I think that um, there's, there's not an, a lot of examples of good and happy marriages out there. Um, even for me in the very beginning, I didn't want to get married in the very beginning because I didn't see a whole lot of people around, married couples around me that were happy. They were doing things that I'm thinking like, well, I could just stay single then if this is what marriage looks like. And so until I was put in this situation where I understood like marriage is work, marriage, you know, it to be happy, you have to put the work in and you have to come into the marriage complete. You can't go in thinking that your spouse is going to complete you. And I know that in the beginning, that was hard for me because that's what I, that was the misconception I had in the beginning was that things that I was insecure about and things that, um, that I, I, in myself that I wasn't happy about, I was looking for him to do that for me. And you, instead of looking for a completeness in, in him, I need to look for that we complement each other. Mm -hmm. And so when when you understand that in your marriage then things begin to, to to you know your marriage begins to to flourish but 
it's, it's just not a lot of good examples out there. And so we need to be the examples for others and let them know the reason why you should get married is not, I mean, of course, you know, people are like, well, you know, you, you having sex out of marriage is wrong. You know, yeah, that's easy to say that, but there's other benefits to being married as well. I agree. There weren't a lot of, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to think like a lot of people look to celebrities for that validation that something is good because they don't, may not see it in there. And oftentimes we didn't see it. You know, those who did stay married for long periods of time, Ruby D and Ozzie Davis, you know, a lot of people didn't know that they were married as long as they were because they weren't out parading and, you know, showing it off, but they were. So what happens if we sit and talk to the people, to our young people about what it's like, you know, 25 years, 28 years for you guys, you could mm -hmm. give a lot of wisdom, but do they want to have those conversations? That's how do we get them to sit down and have those conversations with us? Well, the other part of that is that, I mean, you could still have that type of committed relationship without the, without the legality of marriage. And um, to me, I guess, I, I think about Beyonce's song, if you really want it, put it, got to put a ring on it. Um, and, and I guess for people who don't have a, a spiritual foundation or motive for getting married, I guess the only thing that I would probably suggest to them is that it really does add a little extra level of commitment to it when you say mm -hmm. that hey we are now making this thing legal now if you want to look at it from a very practical standpoint you now are the legal next of kin for this person I, I think from a medical standpoint when I started looking at people who are have accidents for example you have it would be tragic somehow or another, you have lived with this person for 20 years. You have been that person's confidant, that person's lover, that person's uh, business partner and financial partner and everything else. And then all of a sudden they get involved in a car accident and somebody has to make some decisions about what happens with that person's life afterwards. And you are not the legal next <laughs> of kin. So maybe that person's mother or that person's brother or somebody else gets to now step in and assume a role that you didn't. So to me, it's like, if I love you as much as I say that I love you, then I want to give you legal control over some aspects of my life so that uh, I can show to you that I'm all in. So that if for some reason something went wrong in this arrangement, it's now contractual and you have a right and an authority to uh, have some type of remuneration for what happened in the relationship. It's called half. You can get half if I violate this contract. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's, it's an extra level of commitment. Is it absolutely necessary for, for couples? Apparently not. If, if you're not following after a biblical construct or a spiritual construct, probably not. You can probably go on about and, and carry on in your life and have a committed relationship. But it really does, I think, add an extra blessing to it when you, uh, first of all, have God as the head of your marriage and, um, and follow his precepts. I guess if you really want to enjoy the fullness of it, you have to follow the manufacturer's instructions. You have to, uh, you can get full use out, you can get a lot of good use out of some, some, some uh, products. For example, I had a car that I bought in 2009 
And it wasn't until probably last year that I finally learned with this little sign on a little knob, I mean, it was a little down arrow. I was like, what is that thing for? And I finally pushed it and it's the defrost on my, uh, on my, on my mirrors, out exterior mirrors. I said, oh, look at that. You know, 10 years into owning this thing now, <laughs> I finally learned how to use it because I didn't consult with the manufacturer's manual on how to handle it. And so I didn't get the full benefit of that Lincoln that I would have gotten. And I'm not calling my, my marriage a Lincoln, but the, the bottom line is you don't get the full benefit, I think, of the marriage unless you follow the manufacturer's instructions. I can wing it, but if I follow the manufacturer's instructions, there's far more benefits for me. I like the minis. And, and part of the reason that people have issues, oh, I don't need to get married, it's because they've seen a lot of marital dysfunction. You know, um, well, I grew up and I saw this and I, you know, I never saw this and what I did see, I didn't want. So oftentimes we ask couples, <laughs> would your children want the marriage that you have? And there's where it comes from. No, I don't want that. Or if they do, great. I would think that our kids want ours because they see us play around and, you know, tease each other all the time and have fun together. But they might say, no, I don't want that because my daddy played too much. Whatever it may be. <laughs> you know, um, but it's it's some degree of, of familial and marital dysfunction that soured it. Mm -hmm. And it's not just... You know, there are, like you said, Ozzie Davis, we, you know, if you just think about celebrities, Denzel and his wife have been married for a long time, Samuel Jackson, you know, all of these kind of people, just celebrities. But then you see a hundred divorces, celebrity divorces. But now we're starting to take a worldview yeah. of what it is. And that's that me, my, I. It's all about me. It's all about mine. You now it's all about what I can get out of it. Versus what you said earlier is how can we sacrifice for one another? So rather than it being transactional with a sacrifice, I give it up without any expectation of return. I give it freely. Transactional, yeah, I'm going to do this for you. If you don't cook me breakfast or if you don't make my bed, I'm not going to do this. Then let me just put a dollar on the table and pay you to do it. Because we do that every day with our employers. It's, it's, I still keep thinking that. To some degree, we still do it in our relationships. Oh, we do. We still do it. We still do it in relationship, regardless of what kind of relationship it is, whether it's our relationship <laughs> with our family members, uh, whether it's our relationships with our spouses, or even if it's in our relationship with God. The, the reality is, is if you don't draw back from that relationship, any form of benefit that you see as acceptable and tolerable, you withdraw from that relationship. And that's the reason why I think so many marriages go sour is because they're not getting from that relationship what they feel like they want to do. And people stay in those relationships because of the covenant they made and they, they endure those things because of the covenant they made. But eventually at some point, if it's not, if you're not drawing benefit from it, I think it's only a fool that really stays in any relationship that doesn't provide uh, a, a modicum an acceptable level of benefit. But so so go back to what Doree said earlier. Her own insecurities and all of these basically 
the baggage that she brought into the relationship. I'm gonna use a baggage mm -hmm. as, a word, as, mm -hmm. as a paraphrase. It wasn't until she said, hey, you know what? He can't fill that hole. He can't heal those wounds that I had. Her healing didn't come from you. Her healing came from on high. Right, it was a choice though. Right. Mm -hmm. So when she released you from that responsibility to fill that hole, she became whole. Well, yeah, she her healing wasn't from 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 Doctor Williams. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? My game was just strong. <laughs> My game was real strong. What you? She said she didn't want to be married at first. She didn't she want. She said to I don't want to lose him though. Too. She said she didn't want to date you at first. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. No, but See, you showed him. It took a while. What happened was she was like, you know what? This is a good man. I don't want to ruin his life, you know, with my, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I don't, what, what and then after a while, she got came into it and said, you know what? I don't want to lose this either, though. There you so, go. No. Right, right. But I think the big thing that a lot of people miss is they're looking, um, they're having an expectation of somebody, but they're not always, you know, sharing what that is. So they're not connecting on a level with that person so that the other person understands. Um, so then then what happens oftentimes, and, and as a counselor, I sit and I'll listen to people and, well, I want help. And he just sits there and he doesn't get up off the couch when he sees me running around. Well, did you ask him to help you? No, he mm. just know it. So we have this, I want you to read my mind and come do these things rather than me sharing what it is I need. But then we hold them accountable for not meeting the need that we didn't express. Oh, you're right. Out there now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that comes from just not, I know when you, when you're starting out, a lot of things you just don't know, you know, and that's why you really do need to sit down with other couples who have a little bit more wisdom or who have some, some, some nuggets they can drop to, to help you prosper in your marriage. Because I know in the beginning, there were things I just didn't know that I didn't know about marriage. And these are things that you gain over years. And you, I mean, you're going to have ups and downs in your marriages. You're going to have, you know, there's going to be things that you just don't know that you don't know. And so how do you, how do you transition that into 28 years? How do you, how do you navigate that into being happy at the end and not being resentful and not, you know, saying, Hey, I'm out of here. <laughs> mm. but I like what you said, uh, Sonona, you were saying, well, I hear proverbial doc stirring up, you know, oh. expectations unexpressed are doomed to remain unmet. And uh, mm. what happens is if you, if you never really say, this is what I'm hoping for. This is what I like. This is what I want. Mm -hmm. If you never communicate it and you think, well, he's supposed to automatically know, then yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't have to tell <laughs> you. Absolutely. You, you should. <laughs> You should you shouldn't have to tell me 30 times, but 25 might be acceptable. I was gonna get it on the 26th time. <laughs> exactly. If you had on, but if you get me up to 30 times, then I, I should have learned it by then. Uh, and, and so that's the problem because and I and I say that jokingly, but the reality of it is is things that don't come natural to me have to be reinforced and reiterated. So if you had to say it one time, this is what I like, and I forget about it. Don't don't castigate me because I forgot about it, you know, the first time, because it's not innate in me. I really do want to do the things that make you happy. So I need you to tell me in my book, When a Man Worships, uh, we talk, <laughs> we talk about this thing available on Amazon, by the way, and drmarkwill.com. <laughs> but in the book, I talk about this thing called feudal sacrifices. And 
And, and I learned that during medical school that how we can make fetal sacrifices. And a fetal sacrifice to me is, is making the sacrifice that you think is required. It's not the one that was requested. We have to be able to make the sacrifice that's requested because if we keep making the ones that we think is required over and over again, it means absolutely nothing to them. But when they finally do make the request that they want, the one that means something to them, we're so tired of making other sacrifices that were meaningless that we are unwilling to and don't have the energy to fulfill the one that was made. And, um, and so I, I got to the point where, I mean, we got to the point in, in relationship where it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not unromantic to tell me, hey, I like this. Uh, I like flowers. I like a cake on my birthday. And <laughs> good thing you told me that. <laughs> 28 years, I got two more years to get that right. <laughs> No, oh, but I got uh, it right now. I know I'm she wants remembering. to <laughs> Say that again. I said, you're like, oh, now that I'm remembering. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's those things that we that we have to learn. And and somehow or another, we think that it diminishes the um, the importance or the extravagance of the gift if we told the person that we actually wanted to give. It's so much more magical if they just automatically huh, read my mind. This is what I want you to do. Oh yeah. Ding, ding, that ding, picture ding. on a refrigerator for years. Like this is how I want. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how did you know I wanted that? Exactly. And now she gets every gift that she wants. <laughs> Never a return gift. Huh. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, we Oh yeah, I'm still, I'm still a little bitter. Still a little bitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so it's it's interesting. So you said you see a lot of bad examples. There's not a lot of good examples. And I know the ones that you all mentioned were celebrities, but the reality is that you don't know what really goes on in their house. Right. And so those people, we can see those people um, and think that it's out of reach for us. When I was in medical school, a lot of times I would get worried to say, man, I don't know if I can make it through this. One thing that was very, very helpful for me was to be able to go, when I got in those moments, I went and I saw my sister-in-law who I knew, who I interacted with. And I said, you know what? If she could do it, I can do it. Not that she wasn't brilliant or anything. I, I just knew there was somebody who was close to me mm -hmm. that I could lean on and say, I've seen them do it. I've seen them go through some of the struggles and yet they still hung in. I think we need that with relationships. You need to be able to have close relationships with people who are successfully doing it in order to make it seem reasonable and real or attainable for yourself. We go to school, I mean, we go to school to learn how to do, to do our jobs, to learn how to be a counselor, to learn how to be a doctor, to, to learn how to be an administrator. We, we take classes to learn how to do these things. But we don't take classes to learn how to be married. We just one day we're not, and the next day we are. <laughs> so and then you end up in the, us, and then you end up in radical love, a lifestyle of marriage. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by New Vision, New, uh, new Mercy, New, new Mercies, <laughs> New Mercies Church. <laughs> but that's true. We don't. We don't because we again we don't ask the questions. And and as you were talking, I thought about it um, in the early years of our marriage when we hit rocky times, 
I'm looking around like, okay, who can I talk to? Well, I, I can't talk to my parents because they went through the same thing and it ended in a divorce. And so I went and sat with my grandmother who also had <laughs> went through it, but her perspective gave me, you know, oftentimes be like, I don't want to end up like my grandma. But then I was like, yeah, I do want to end up like my grandma. <laughs> she was, you know, she was married and she, she helped me. And I don't think I would have, gotten that encouragement from just looking around because if I look at my mom and her siblings, she only has, well, not only, there are two of my mom's siblings that have been married to one person um, basically my entire life. So in my 50 years of life, I have two aunts who have been married to the same uncle. You 50? You only 50? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a young cop. The older she get, the prettier she get. All right. Yeah, all right. Say that. Yeah. So having those conversations and, you know, do we see that? Do we have mm-hmm. how many? I was blessed. You know, my grandparents were married for 80 years before my granddad died. Wow. So, you know, yeah, a lot of people don't have that to get draw that wisdom. And so, you know, having those conversations and. That's one thing my grandmother said. You got to tell them what you want. You can't just expect him to read your mind. You got to tell him when you're upset. You got to tell him what you need so that he's able to make the decision. Do I want to do that for her? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why it's also important that you, you, you seek the type of um, conversations and wisdoms from people who are, who are who are experts or who are doing it because you, there are some people who don't want to see your marriage flourish and, and happy. And they'll tell you, girl, you better get out of that. Like if he ain't doing X, Y, and Z, you know, then you need to leave. So you got to be cautious of what kind of advice you're getting from people as well. You know, yeah, girl, you can leave him and get half. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, you don't put in the work. Yeah. Girl, half or nothing is nothing. I walk out with what I came in with. Yeah. <laughs> But that's interesting. And the one thing you have to talk for when we struggle, same thing. I, I talk to mama. And mama would always tell us, tell me, well, you better keep what you got because ain't nothing out there better for you. So you have to have people that are speaking life into your marriage, mm-hmm. not speaking death. I wouldn't put up with that. You know what? You're right. Because yeah. I've got a brother and we know who bro- which brother that is. <laughs> like, man, I would have left her a long time ago. I said, you yeah. did. Three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now he now he believes in being beat into submission. Beat into submission you know, yeah. In order to submit, submission? you have to be beat into it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but it's it's it it's what's interesting to me is that um there was there one of our aunts, she made the comment before she said, if I had stayed in my hometown, I probably would not still be married. And one of the reasons why she stayed married was because in the in the times when she would have left, there was not an opportunity for her to leave. It was not easy at that moment for her to leave. And I'm not saying that that's a reason why to, to stay married, but what I'm looking at now is that when I reflect back on when we were growing up, there was much less mobility. People had less mobility and, and fewer options in life to, to be able to do it. And I'm wondering if the options, opportunities, the mobility, the selfie mentality, all of these things are now contributing to 
uh, the deterioration of, of marital strength because you really don't have to put up with a whole bunch of stuff. you like, the minute you say, well, I don't need to deal with this, I'm out of here. Uh, even something as simple as the availability of a lease on a car. When you think about, you know, before when we were growing up, not, not many families had two cars in the house. And so if you really depended on each other to, you depended on each other for a lot of things, not just for the emotional support, psychological support, financial support, but even on some of the very practical things, you know, I depend on this person to get me to work because we only have one car. Well, when you got two cars, then I depend on this person less then. So I really need you a little less in my life. And that's a very carnal and a very elementary uh, way of looking at it. But the truth of the matter is this one less thing that I need from you that to need you to be able to help uh, provide in my life one less service that you can provide for me in life. And so has your value lessened because there are less things that I actually need you to perform? That's all, you know, the independence, I can do it. I can do it all by myself. The question for me is why would I want to? Mm. Why would I want to do it by myself when I can have a partner to support me? It's not always going to be good it's not always going to be easy but is the work worth it the reason you want to do it by yourself is because on them days that you mad at me you don't want to be with me <laughs> it's like i can do this by myself yeah you can you sure can you know we have had couples who um we know that wind up they i don't want to do this anymore i'm tired of putting in the work and <laughs> And I'm ready to get a divorce. And they do. And then they see the, all the changes that they had been saying they wanted. They now see them in their ex-spouse. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, if you just stuck around, you would have <laughs> reaped the benefit. But now somebody else is reaping the benefit of the hard work. And that's kind of how I think. I'm, I can put too much work into this. I am not going to let somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I know you have. Uh, oh, that's not happening. <laughs> well, they say I changed when Mia came along. So she, he did, you know, like they say, he made you soft. So what? I haven't always been right, but I've always, you know, been here. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If that's a benefit, I don't know. (laughs) I might not always be right, but I'm always be here. That's true, though. I mean, the reality is is that you have to have some uh, dependability. You know, it's something to know that this person, you know, in all their flaws, no matter how how uh, imperfect they may be, I can depend on this person. They are still going to be here, and I know that uh, no matter how much I mess up, you know, and I come home, she's going to be right there beside me, and. Out of 27 years of marriage, we've never slept out of the same bed out of anger. We've slept, always slept in the same bed. Never is a matter of having to go to another room because I said I'm not getting out of my bed. I never understood that. Can you tell me why the man always had to go sleep on the couch? <laughs> I guess that must, be, that, must be, that must be something with us because I always said I'm not sleeping in a different bed. I'm sleeping in this one. If you want to go, you go. Go. On the couch. I prefer that you not, but, you yeah, know, you still... Yeah. <laughs> but that but I, those un, those un, unspoken and unmet needs because you know and i've 
being transparent. Yeah, I was the one that would get mad and go in the other room, but I was hoping he would pursue me, you know, prove that you wanted it. Then I thought to thinking, well, why am I doing that? I haven't even said it. So, and I'm also uncomfortable and not sleeping with well. <laughs> And one day she, she locked the door. Like I couldn't get back in. And so, you know, they got them little whatchamacallit. So she locked the door and I took the little key. Little and key. Opened the door. So I'm like, I'm not sleeping anywhere else. So the next time she locked the door, she took the key. <laughs> okay. Now, now here's the, this is the couple's tip attack. And I said, okay, now my pride says, and this is it's my pride. I'm not going to let you lock me out of my bedroom. So I went and got a screwdriver and I took the doorknob off. And I said, I will get wow. back into this room. Now, was it worth that for one night? Not really. But my pride would not allow me to let her get the, for lack of a better word, best of me in that situation. Um, and I said, I will knock this door down before I let you lock me out of any room in my house. Hmm. Wow. But maybe that's what she wanted, though. Yeah. She wanted that yeah. proof. Of, that proof. <laughs> proof you want to be here with me. <laughs> That was proof, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> it said pursuit is proof of passion. And so, and look, if you're willing to take the, the hinges <laughs> off the door, she's like, how far will he go to get to me? <laughs> but that's of good, course, though, that's I mean, because the truth of the matter is pursuit is proof of passion. That which you really want, you pursue after. Mm -hmm. And you put in the work that is necessary to, to, to go in there and get it. Uh, I'm reminded in the, in the scripture really about uh, Jacob and Leah and um, how Jacob mm. saw Leah and he was like man mm. she is the most gorgeous thing ever mm -hmm. I want her and so I kind of it's kind of how I felt about her <laughs> this, is, this is my Leah y'all so um, uh oh <laughs> every time I say something nice her mic drops <laughs> out what's <laughs> going on with this mic but uh, what happens is that Leah, when he pursued Leah several years, he went for her. He said, okay, Laban, I'm going to work for you seven years to get this woman because he saw the woman that of his dreams and he wanted to get her. After seven years, he finally gets married and it turns out that he's not marrying Jake, I mean, Rachel, but he gets Leah. Mm -hmm. Leah's the ugly sister. I'm sorry. Rachel's the one who Rachel's won, the one he, he loved. Got, right, right. But he woke up the next morning and found that he got Leah, the ugly sister. And and uh, <laughs> ooh, and that's something about marriages. Sometimes when you when you pursue and you pursue this person that you thought you wanted, and then all of a sudden you wake up next to them and you're like, wait a minute, who's this ugly person? Not just wake up next to them, figuratively ugly, I'm speaking. Uh, but but sometimes even literally ugly because you're like, wait a minute, where's all the weave and all the makeup and all the Why you know you wake up looking like this. Yes, <laughs> you woke up this way. Beautiful. <laughs> I don't even have morning breath. <laughs> <laughs> but but you always get something that you wind up finding out that you got something that you hadn't anticipated. And it's called the ugly sister, or we'll call it the ugly brother too, because you're going to wind up getting something that you really didn't desire. So the question is, what do you do next? Well, Jacob could have just gotten mad and left the relationship and just said, you know what, forget it, I'm giving up. Nope. But instead what he said, you know, I saw the woman that that's the woman of my dreams. So I'm gonna keep pursuing, keep working. 
and keep striving until I get the one that I want. And so that's what I did. I, it's not stalking. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they didn't call it stalking. But <laughs> that's what she did. Right. Just, yeah. just because I sat outside her window all the time and watched. <laughs> Waited for her to get home and just <laughs> it wasn't stalking. Yeah. That was proof of passion. Proof <laughs> of passion. <laughs> but he worked another seven years and got Rachel. And after um, he was finally married to Rachel, guess what? She still couldn't produce the thing that she was created to produce. She was barren. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that she was barren because Jacob refused to love the ugly sister. And so it was the ugly sister that kept producing and producing Leah. Leah kept having baby after baby. And she said, maybe after I do this one, he'll finally love me at some point. But no, it kept happening. And, and I came to realize that until we learn to love the ugliness in our spouse, our spouses will never be released to produce the thing that they were predestined and ordained by God to release. And so in order for... Uh, for my wife to be able to 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 live her fullest life, I have to learn how to love her even in her ugliness. By the same token, she has in order for me to fully produce and be released to produce the things that God has allowed me to produce. She has to love me in all of my ugliness too. She's got the harder job. It's easy to love you. So easy to maybe love now it you. is. <laughs> stuff you you know yeah. you told them what you needed you talked about it and so exactly, exactly. and that, that reminds me of something that i heard our pastor say some time ago he said if if god tells you the process to get the promise he tells us the promise but if he tells you what the process is mm-hmm. you never start the journey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we all want the promise, the promise of marital fulfillment. But that process, you know, when you talk about iron sharpens iron, well, when iron sharpens iron, when you look at that, there's sparks that fly. It gets hot. It's conflict. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of friction. But in the end, both are sharpened. So it's that process that that we get that we give up on because the promise is still there, and it's like you said, you know what? And, I, and going back to how you started, Mark, about you know when you when you plant this this heart when you plant these seeds. Well, it's a process to get that harvest. Well, apple trees don't grow in two years, but you gotta wait until you can start picking from that apple tree, really fresh and full apples, I guess, for lack of a better example. I went all over. Yeah, wait before you can eat the apple. Yeah, you got to wait before you eat the apple. <laughs> yeah, and it takes more. So you got to put the work in. Yeah. yeah. You got to put the work in. You got to prune, you got to fertilize, you got to keep the bugs away. It's so it's hard work. It's not just, oh, we're together and it's going to be easy and fun all the time that's what cracks me up is they're like it's not fun anymore okay you're not at a disney at an amusement park it's life so 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 why so how, do, how are we selling marriage by selling oh it's hard work you know how do how do you sell it with you tell somebody it's hard work to get this it's, okay. it's interesting marriage sells itself that's why people want to get in but then 
people want to get out to is like marriage just flies on the screen. Some dying to get out, some dying to get in. <laughs> That's an interesting question though, Mark, because we're willing to work hard for other things. I want to start my business. I'm, I'm willing to put the work in and struggle and do whatever to reach the, the level of success I want for my business. I'm not saying that marriage is business, but why don't we have that same approach mm. to marriage? You know, it's something, if it's worth, you went to, you wanted to be a doctor. You went to many, many years of school. You put in lots of work to get to your goal. And spent a lot of money doing it. I ain't gonna spend that much. She wanna, you know, we, we we value those other things, but we don't put that same value in our relationship oftentimes. Well, that that goes back to where you know with your marriages, we do we do need to, you know, put the work in. We do need to look at it sometimes, maybe even as a as a business, because in order for us to grow in our relationship and grow in different areas of our life, we got to put the work in. As I'm reading books on how to be successful in your marriage, talking to other couples, um, going through some of the ups and downs and letting people see some of your down times because a lot of times your down times make you stronger in your relationships and, be, and make you more resilient in different things. So and letting people see that, hey, no, it's not always going to be happy, but when you go through it together and see how you come out on the end, they can see that in, in your relationship, then, you know, they're, you know, maybe they can say, well, Hey, I, I, you know, I thought that, you know, when you go through things that are, are, are horrible, that this is the outcome divorce or what have you, but no, there's a, there's another route. There's another way that you can handle this. <laughs> and so they need to see that. Yeah. Hmm. I, I guess when you were thinking, when you were saying how we're willing to put in the work, for business and for uh, academic pursuits or whatever. And I, say, I guess the reason why we do that is because we have a, vis a vision of what the end result is. <clears throat> and I guess maybe one of the reasons why people don't want to put that type of effort and work into marriage is because they lack vision about what the end result should look like. You know, what should the joys of marriage look like? And if you have that vision of what you want your marriage to look like, you continue to work until, it, <laughs> continue to work. Uh, until you make it plain. Yes, so <laughs> that all can see it and run with it. <laughs> and, and, I, and I imagine without a vision, people perish. And I guess without a vision, marriages perish as well. Without a vision, your business perish. Exactly. And so I do appreciate the two of you for coming on to the Roundtable Consult today and sharing your wealth of wisdom and experience in uh, dealing with marriages and sharing some of your ups and downs as well. Uh, for this Valentine's Day weekend, we, we wish all of our viewers uh, love and happiness, love yes. and marriage. They still do go together, even <laughs> though we don't use a horse and carriage anymore. It's not outdated. <laughs> marriage is still fashionable. It is. it is still desirable. It is still attainable and profitable. So I encourage y'all to get out there and marry the right one. Thanks again today for joining us on the Roundtable Consult. And as always, you can catch us here every Saturday on Facebook Live. That's the Roundtable Consult. We'll see you next Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern. <laughs>
This has been another episode of the Roundtable Console. We invite you to join us twice weekly on Facebook Live, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, and again on Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern. That's facebook.com forward slash Roundtable Console with your hosts, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams.